0: There is an indefinable, mysterious power that pervades everything. Mahatma Gandhi famously said, be the change you want to see in the world. In other words, represent yourself in the way you would wish for the world to be. For great entertainment, it has to be seven. There's nothing quite like the taste of milk fresh from the farm and full of natural goodness.
1: Fries and a small drink for just $1.95. Now that's what we call value. And hungry,
0: Change can happen in the blink of an eye, whether it's something as simple as flicking the remote from one show to the next or a monumental shift in the global political landscape. The manner in which brands and organisations distribute content and the way in which we as consumers take it in has become as diverse as the range of topics and conversations we all have. But as the world has changed, so have the relationships between businesses and their customers. Newspapers are on the decline and, one wouldn't be going out on a limb by saying that commercial television as it is today will be the next domino to fall. The door-to-door salesman has slowly been replaced by software systems that zero in on customers' needs and wants by assessing their likes, dislikes, social postings and connections. In fact, social media has been a boon for businesses who are transitioning from knowing the audience as a whole to knowing each and every one of their customers intimately. The 2016 census a social media report laid out the state of play with Australian businesses and consumers 69% of Australians have taken up social media with Facebook being far and away the channel of choice when it comes to posting content averaging around 13 hours a week per person of scrolling and liking and viewing and sharing and all of the above and when it comes to the corporate side of the scale the survey said that 52% of people are more likely to trust a brand that has a a positive persona on social media than those who don't Facebook again leads the way as the preferred advertising partner We've come a long way since we sat in front of that television consuming commercial after commercial waiting for them to come back to programming. Nowadays with advertisement-free streaming and digital recording, the corporate world is seeking a new stream, a new channel to reach and inspire their customers. Some have adapted to the change while others have been left in the dust, unable to keep up with today's fast-paced world. So how do we adapt to the chaos, the thumb-scrolling, snapchatting world and find a the true identity for our business our brand amongst all that noise how can we be the change we want to see in the world and leave a mark an impression or value on our loved ones our customers and our friends well over the next 20 minutes we're going to find our social media mojo and be the brand we always wanted to be Are you ready let's get real My name's Rakal Eberle and I'm the founder and CEO at content marketing and brand publishing agency Newsmodo. You can follow me on Twitter and please also subscribe to the show if you haven't already on SoundCloud and iTunes where you can also leave us a rating and review. Today our guest is one of the biggest names in marketing and digital strategy in Australia He's founded his own communications brand whilst also chairing the B2B Marketing Leaders Forum His name is Gavin Heaton aka The Servant of Chaos and he's been kind enough to join me now Gavin, thanks so much for joining us on Brand Storytelling. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing fantastically, thanks.
0: Now, if we step back for a second, I'd love to hear more about how you actually got into the world of marketing and what that led to with what you're doing now at the Disruptors Handbook. So, I like to talk about
1: the idea of being an accidental marketer. So, I never really studied marketing. I come from a theatre background, so it's quite a different space, I guess. Um, but at the same time, it's very similar. So we've, I've always had an interest in audiences. So it made sense that when I started to. Uh, I guess, do marketing, Um, I didn't realise it was marketing, I realised it was just engaging Mm. audiences. Um, It just so happened that that's the team that I sat in.
0: And when we start working on strategy when it comes to marketing, audience personas are generally the first thing we look at, so it must have been something that you felt very comfortable with uh, working on in those initial conversations.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and one of the things I think that was interesting was because I'd always had that audience focus. Back when I first started, uh, you know, audience personas didn't really exist. You know, we were just making this stuff up as we went. So I was, I was. Uh trying things out, finding out whether it worked and then going from there.
0: And now you're working on this incredible project the Disruptors handbook which is really an innovative hub for content marketing and digital publishing and marketing in general. Tell me a little bit about the work that you're doing and how you ended up with this really exciting I guess space that you're you're on the cutting edge of marketing with.
1: Yeah, so I I realised some time ago that I had been working in marketing innovation for a long time. I've always been interested in doing new things with the technology that was coming through, but didn't really think of it as something different or as a thing, um, until I was doing some work with PwC uh, and they were looking to start some new businesses and they looked at my background and they said, well... We can see from your background that you've started many um, businesses within organisations and and that's kind of what we're looking for. Um, can you give us um, some of your time to help us do that? So I ran a couple of startups with them uh, and internal startups with them, and to me it was always the same sort of process and I've been doing this for you know twenty twenty five years, uh, okay. and that is starting new marketing businesses or starting businesses with a marketing focus because I've always looked to the audience. And uh, when I sort of finished up my contract with PwC, I realised that um, it's actually a thing that you, you can do marketing-led innovation, um, and it just so mean just happens to mean that you use those startup technologies and the startup approaches to building value really quickly for an audience that then loves what you're doing.
0: And I guess in this day and age we're seeing bigger brands like PWC and KPMG with these um, innovative hubs within their organizations and they're actually letting those hubs lead their conversation particularly when it comes to digital marketing and how they engage their audiences. What's been your perception of the evolution of how big brands have adapted to changes in technology and the ways in which we communicate?
1: Great question. So one of the things that I think is fascinating is the whole technology-driven landscape. So if we look at uh, Scott Brinker's fantastic um, map of the confusion of marketing technology with over 3,000 vendors in the space. any wonder that you know any marketer, any CMO um, loses their hair overnight when they start looking at these sorts of things? Mm-hmm. Um, but as as we sort of get serious about this and think about what do we actually do, and we put our customer at the very centre of what it is that we do, then it m- helps us make some choices. It helps us make choices around the technology that we choose, the strategy we put in place, and the content that we produce to feed into both of those things. And I think you know having that focus on your customer helps you understand exactly what it is you're going to be doing.
0: So it must be a really fascinating time for you now in the industry to actually be working with big brands and giving them the opportunity and the scope to start innovating. What are the kinds of conversations that you're having with them and where are they starting to lead? What can our listeners take on from your own experiences in this space?
1: So I think the interesting thing about big brands is that they have big audiences. And those big audiences mean that they have, um, you know, a, a large, a large focus on what is new, um, and the early adopters, as we know from our digital marketing experience, is uh, mean that you have to focus on gaining those early adopters, moving into those sort of larger audiences around the early majority and the late majority, which mean which then g- generates the kind of substantial enterprise scale uh, marketing returns that you're looking for. So. These innovation programs, while they sound like they're um, difficult and challenging, what they do is they accelerate and build your own innovation brand within the business and within the market Mm -hmm. and it allows you to start thinking about what it means to be an an innovative brand these days because it's no longer just about what it is you're saying you're doing, it's all about what you're doing and how you're doing it and how that relates to the purpose of your brand. In in the modern society,
0: yeah, fascinating. Now I want to ask you a question. Um, I'm told they call you the servant of chaos. How did you get that name?
1: <laughs> so that's a well, I think it's an, an interesting story. Uh, but of, of course, you know, um, I I was working I was working with a large uh, consulting company, and they were being um, acquired by another company, and everything kept changing. And back then, I was uh, doing both marketing and comms, so I was. Uh, doing internal comms, and I was doing marketing, positioning, branding, and and all of our execution strategies, and the landscape kept changing every single day. Each day I'd come in, and there'd be something different. And the way that we kept up with um, not just our own internal team, but with the teams around the other parts of the country was to use uh, Yahoo Messenger back then, and uh, that was my so that was my mm-hmm. ti- my um my handle was Servant of Chaos. And when we were looking at it I, was, I just basically said that I wasn't creating the chaos; I was just serving what came to me <laughs> and that's all it was that's all it was about and it kind of stuck so when I was setting up Twitter handles and uh, websites and so on, it just made sense to me that servant of chaos would be the great the great thing for me as a, as my own personal brand um, but it, I really didn't think about it very much in terms of whether it would last very long, it was just Mm. always with me and it was something that I just continued to follow.
0: Bit like the old Hotmail email addresses, you know, the 007 or the 1981 at the end of your Hotmail account. And it's a very appropriate name I must add, particularly for this very episode of brand storytelling because you are merely as a brand a vessel amongst all of the chaos for some form of communication and we are in the second half of the show going to get into exactly how brands can get cut through amidst all of the chaos and um, deliver a meaningful message and to stand for something. But before we do, Gavin, I have a great little section in the uh, podcast that I like to call the Mad Minute and it comes at the midpoint of interviews just like this where we throw 60 seconds on the clock and send you some quick-fire questions which I'm hoping you can jump in the hot seat and answer from question one which is in one word could you sum up Brexit? Disaster. Question two the biggest challenge starting your own brand? Time. The one thing you can't live without? Coffee. How important is storytelling in 2016 and beyond? It's
1: one word. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Where would brands, uh, in your opinion, be focusing with social in the years ahead? Deeper engagement. What's the best tool for engagement then? See, up until up
1: until Facebook changed its al- algorithm last night, I would have said Facebook, but you know, I'm, now I'm going back <laughs> to Twitter.
0: Okay, and on to question seven. Now, this is a contentious one in our office. Would you rather go to Officeworks or science works? (laughs) Science works. (laughs) Question eight. Where's the best coffee in Sydney, given you can't live without it? Uh, Single
1: origin, without a doubt.
0: Number nine, the top travel tip. Take a power board. And brands that are doing social really well. Get up. Get up. Okay, get up and get on it. Now, back to the serious stuff, Gavin, because I really want to get onto to the topic of how brands can find their own persona and stand for something online and get cut through amidst all the chaos that is social media. In your own experience, what do you tell your clients when they're looking to stand for something online?
1: I tell them that they have to go back to the very, the very basics. So I think the interest in the bright and shiny object you know the technology the analytics the data uh, and so on can be really attractive Uh, but you have to have the fundamentals in place so you have to have your key messages done you need to have some themes you need to understand where there is a a deep brand alignment between what you do what your customers want and what your products and services deliver Um, so it's it's really Basic stuff, but it's really really hard um, you know I'd like to think that you know we can just come up with some catchy taglines and so on, uh, but it takes quite a lot of work and it takes quite a lot of soul searching for most most uh, mo- most organizations to actually articulate very clearly and simply what it is that they stand for.
0: Do you think given that we so often divert to understanding our audience personas that we then try and stand for something that marries into those audience personas and I guess is a safe bet? Uh,
1: it, that's one way of, of doing it. So certainly that might be the fake it till you make it part of persona building. But mm. in terms of actually developing um, you know, a an authentic voice and an authentic position, because what you find is that your your customer service teams your, your employees they're all customer facing eventually and if they're not living the brand if they're not living the values of your brand then they're they're doing, you know, you a disservice in the marketplace. So you need to make sure there is that alignment um, because then it becomes authentic rather than something that you're making up.
0: Now, you spoke about GetUp and obviously with the federal election last weekend and there's so much activity around what GetUp are doing. Tell our audience a little bit about that particular organisation and what you love about what they're doing with their own, I guess, what they stand for and how they communicate through their social channels.
1: So uh, I guess, you know, it's interesting um, from a a storytelling point of view to see how this plays out and I think brands can learn a lot from activist organizations so the activist organizations are looking for outcomes they're not looking for brand building necessarily they're not looking for um, communications um, ticks in the box uh, they're not looking for a larger Facebook audience they're looking for outcomes that change something that is tangible it changes someone's decision it changes the way that you think about the world it changes the way that you act in the world and so on so I think there's plenty of things that we can learn from not just places like GetUp, but certainly other um, uh, organisations and even platforms that take a social activist view.
0: Yeah, it's a fascinating time when we're starting to see brands, I guess, stretch their legs when it comes to having a a voice and even an opinion. Um, And so much of what brand storytelling is about these days is drawing back the curtains and actually, uh, I guess, giving some insights into who the people are behind the brand, what they stand for, what they do, what their, I guess, position is on... Issues that are currently in, I guess, uh, political conversations. How much of that do you think brands need to, I guess, pepper into their communications, and how would they then, I guess, choose the right channels for communicating with the uh, desired audiences?
1: So, I think, I mean, it all comes back to audience again. And I think the interesting thing about a a political campaign, uh, and to be honest, it's it's fascinating to see over the last, you know, eight years or so how. the digital strategies of the polit- politicians and the parties have changed. You know, uh, back mm-hmm. uh, probably about two election cycles, there was no interest in this this sort of activity. Uh, you know, I, I'm the president of a youth organization called VibeWire, and w- they run a, a, an election wire campaign every single election where they cover the election from a, a youth perspective. And in the first time we did it, there was no one. No one took them seriously at all. And now it's everywhere. So it's it's kind of interesting to see how those shifts and changes are taking place. And we're seeing politics leading the way in terms of how to do brand storytelling, how to do positioning, how to how to really engage your audiences. Because you know what, your audiences are going to vote you in or out. Um, and the and the brands can learn from this. So I, I guess you know, looking and understanding almost like like a politician what 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 what's your polling look like today and is someone going to buy your stuff that's that's kind of the the angle we need to be looking at from a branding point of view um and then understanding where they are you know are they on facebook are they on twitter you know is it a useful channel for them um and what is that channel what are the characteristics of that channel so you know it's it's pointless redirecting someone from a Twitter channel, for example, over to a website if really what they want is an answer in 140 characters, not another link. So mm-hmm. it's understanding the motivations and needs of your customers, understanding the channels and the way that they, op- they operate, and also understanding some of the nuances of what that means.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I guess then getting that cut through, which is such a, a difficult thing. We talk about not just being, in, let's take the political example, a competitor of your own political uh, opponent, but you're also competing with all the other content that's out there and in front of audiences as they you know, move about their day-to-day life. And quickly jump on their phones And thumb through what's on social There's so much that we're all being bombarded with Um, It's very, very difficult these days To reach an audience in the first place Let alone do something meaningful That actually stays with them And and asks them questions about coming back To learn more Or actually have some ongoing Uh, conversation with you or your brand what are some of the examples that you've had in the past where brands have done that really well and I guess what can we take out of that for our own lessons going forward so I
1: think the challenge with um, with most media and most content and most storytelling is that when you're doing it from a brand perspective there are certain things you want to get across so you and what that tends to mean is you're you're talking about features and benefits all the time and to be honest, that's dull. No one wants features and benefits. No one, no one really wants to know that until they're deeper in the buying cycle. But one of the interesting, I guess, campaign elements from GetUp recently is um, where they're using humour to tell the story of what the facts and figures tell you. So the, you know, we all know that, and we we pay lip service to this from a marketing point of view that. That facts and figures um, are logical, and that they don't—they actually don't sell anything for you. They just deliver the proof points. And yet, we we sort of lead out with you know forty percent of people do this, or sixty percent of voters are going to do this, or you know ninety-five percent of um, you know enterprise buyers are going to look like X, Y, and Z, and they're going to make these sorts of bad decisions. Those sorts of facts and figures don't actually deliver the kind of outcomes you're looking for. But finding a storytelling approach to explaining and contextualising those facts and figures is what's really important. And that's, not, that's something that we don't spend enough on. We don't do enough work on story strategy. And we don't do enough of linking that into a demand generation strategy or a plan that's going to Mm. deliver the business outcomes that connects your content with your audience in a meaningful way.
0: Mm, mm, Absolutely. Just on that, we actually just published a great blog piece on the Newsmodo website that goes through some of the um, brands that are doing great things on all the different social channels. So, for instance, the New York Times on Snapchat, HubSpot, Taco Bell in Instagram, you know, brands like Nike, obviously, MTV and even Oreos and you talked about Facebook you know some of the some of the publishing that National Geographic and Microsoft have done on Facebook is just brilliant so it is um, you know such a a wide open space when it comes to uh, social distribution of content as we start to wind down I guess what would be your nuggets and those gems that our listeners particularly those in uh, digital content marketing could take with them and say you know, stand for something and take it on to a digital communication, um, I guess, action point.
1: So I I really like the idea of testing and learning. And I really like the idea of putting aside a small amount of your budget and your time to do so. So um, Google has their 20% time, uh, various other organisations have a similar sort of concept, but I think we need to do this individually. We need to do that as individual marketers, as CMOs, as business leaders, and as marketers, no matter where you are in your career, uh, to build your expertise, to try things out, to learn, to experiment, and to understand the value of that experimentation. Um, but also to learn the, the importance of measuring whether it's effective. Because when you are doing it for yourself, with, if you are whether it's you know reading a, a blog, writing a blog, creating some content, whatever it happens to be you You are investing in your own skills you 're investing in your organization 's capabilities and you 're learning vital lessons for the future of your own job so I think doing doing the the hard work of doing the work
0: absolutely and content marketing is hard work and I guess without a strategy there 's no point publishing content even if it is just in snackable form on all those social media channels. And as we start to wind down, Gavin, where can our audience find you and what's next for you in 2016?
1: So you can find me at servantofchaos.com and at Servant Servant of Chaos on Twitter, of course, and, of course, at disruptorshandbook.com for if you want to get serious about your innovation strategy and your marketing-led innovation.
0: And it is time to get serious because, as I said, without a strategy, without an innovative approach to content and digital marketing, you're really going to be lost in the next financial years. So, Gavin, it's a really exciting space. We're very uh, fortunate to have had your time on brand storytelling. I'm sure there'll be plenty of exciting conversations to come. And thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me.